Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. As an HR educator, I am often approached by new graduates or soon-to-graduate students for advice. And one of the most frequent questions I get asked is, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong with my job search? This usually comes after they tell me that they've been applying on HR jobs for months, they've tried literally everything, and they're getting nowhere. And worse, they're now feeling depressed, frustrated, and overwhelmed, and they're doubting whether or not they've chosen the right career path. Does that sound at all familiar? If it does, then this episode is for you. I find these messages heartbreaking because I was once in the same place. I was a new grad struggling to get that first job opportunity. I also felt like I had tried everything and wasn't getting results. But I was actually wrong. I hadn't tried everything. I had just been trying the wrong things. And after some trial and error and some serendipitous advice from a kind HR advisor, I made some changes to my job search approach. And it really didn't take very long after that before I was signing my first HR job offer as a recruiter for RMH Teleservices. Getting that first job sure felt amazing. And today, I want to help you find that same feeling by sharing six common mistakes that HR job seekers make, especially when they're just starting out. So if you're feeling frustrated and overwhelmed with your job search, grab a coffee, a notebook, and a pen, and let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. All right, I want to begin today by giving you some kudos. I want to applaud you for sticking with your job search because most HR graduates that I meet are truly putting in a lot of time and effort to land their first HR job. Their results are usually not due to a lack of effort. It's just that the effort is often focused on the wrong actions. And so it feels like you're spinning your wheels in some deep mud. And despite what anyone tells you, I still believe it is a little bit tougher to land your first HR role compared to other professions. The HR profession does not have like a set articling or internship process like lawyers and accountants. And we don't have industry standard training like finance and banking that sort of launch you into a career path. And many organizations have fewer employees working in HR. So the time and capacity of an HR team to mentor and train someone on the job can often be limited. I also believe that organizations like hiring HR professionals with some experience because there is a fair bit of risk associated with giving advice about people. All that said, with the right tools, mindset, and openness to opportunities, it is definitely possible to land your first HR job within months after graduation. You don't need to wait three years like I did. 
Okay, so let's get into this and have you stop making these job search mistakes so you can turn your efforts into the job offer that you've been longing for. The six most common mistakes I see HR job seekers making are number one, spending too much time on your resume at the beginning of the process. Number two, no target or focus to your job search. Number three, you're not focused on your mindset and self-care. Number four, you don't prepare for the interview. Number five, you don't follow up after a connection is made or you're interviewed. And number six, you don't leverage the help of others for feedback, guidance, or to build your network. So let's talk about each one in more detail, starting with spending too much time on your resume and cover letter at the beginning of the process. It's almost inevitable that when someone starts a new job search, the first place they go is to dust off their resume and cover letter. And of course, you do need a resume and a cover letter for most jobs you will apply for. But the trap is spending way too much time fussing over headings and fonts and updating your laundry list of duties and things you've done over the last four years. And you actually forget to do what brings you the job in the first place, which is finding a job opportunity that's perfectly aligned with your strengths, your knowledge, what you enjoy, and your values. The other challenge is that most people aren't experts in resume writing, so they spin their wheels agonizing over every statement and try to capture their entire life on a single page. Then, because they spent days working on it, they only have time and energy to apply for one HR job. And of course, then they feel terribly disappointed when they wait a week or two and hear nothing about it. The resume that you use to apply for an HR job should be tailored to the job you're applying for and should be written to highlight the value that you will bring to that specific job or employer. Spending hours creating a generic resume with too much detail not only sucks up your time, but also your energy. Think about it this way. Your resume will help you get an interview, but the interview or the selection process is what gets you the job. No one gets hired right off a resume, or almost no one. So yes, update your resume, and make it an editable template so that you can adapt it to different roles you apply for. Make your list of responsibilities and duties for each job brief and high level. And make sure you list your accomplishments to highlight the value you bring and make it easy for potential employers to see how you meet their job requirements. I love to see a section at the top of each resume summarizing how the candidate fits the job I'm recruiting for. Make it easy for me to say yes to screening your application in the I want to talk to you pile. Honestly, recruiters are only going to spend a few seconds on the first pass, so make it easy for them. Then, with all the time you saved agonizing over every word, you can get focused on the types of roles, industries, and organizations that will be the best fit for you. Which leads me to common mistake number two a lack of focus or target opportunity for your job search. 
One of the best things about an HR career is that there is a ton of variety in the types of roles you can pursue. In fact, I always say there is an HR career path to fit anyone. But one of the worst things about being an HR graduate is that there's a ton of variety in the types of roles you can pursue. Why is this a problem? Well, this lack of focus means you are probably going to apply for every single job with HR in the title because, you know, you never know. And in reality, you're probably only a good fit for 25 or 30% of them. And you'll probably enjoy less than that. Why is this a bad thing? Because again, you're going to spend a lot of effort each time you put together your application for these jobs. You'll expend emotional energy thinking about your fit for the role, what you would say in an interview, and what you'll wear on the first day on the job as the manager of HR operations. And it will likely be all for naught. And it will rob you of your time, energy, and expectation that could have been put towards pursuing roles that are a great fit for you. Targeting your job search to roles that are a match for your education, strengths, experience, and values is super important. Not only are your chances of getting noticed and screened in better, it will be so much easier to sell yourself in a job interview. Now, I'm not saying that you should only apply for jobs that you meet 100% of the listed criteria for, but when it comes to things like the amount of experience they're looking for, education, or a specific certification, chances are those are their minimums. So really try and be focused when you're deciding which jobs to apply for. This was definitely one of the biggest mistakes I made when I was starting out. I applied for any and all jobs with HR in the title. Well, almost any. I probably didn't apply for director or VP roles. But a lot of HR advisor and HR manager roles received my resume, even though I was not qualified, not even close. And each time I got really excited, I put a lot of effort into my resume and cover letter explaining why they should hire me anyway. You also have to remember that this was before jobs were advertised online, so I also had to wait for ads to show up in the newspaper and on the few online job boards that existed at the time. I know, I'm totally dating myself, but that was the reality. It was not easy, and I didn't have my own computer, so I also spent a lot of money and time on printing, gas, and postage. And in the end, I didn't get so much as a pre-screening call on any of these jobs. Now, prior to this job search, I had three years experience as an employment counselor and job developer. And as soon as I started to target my efforts towards roles that I actually had transferable skills for, guess what? My luck changed. I got a call back on a recruiter job in no time. But prior to that, I don't even think I applied on a recruiter role, even when it was the perfect fit for me, my interests, my strengths. I guess I just had it in my head that I should be an HR advisor. The best advice I can give you is to spend some quality time thinking about which roles you would have the best opportunity to get noticed for. More importantly, look at what you're passionate about, what you have the most experience and knowledge of, and what types of roles and organizations align with your values. 
The reality is if you're truly excited about something and it fits with you and who you are, it will be so easy to talk about it and show your excitement. And that energy is going to come across to the person selecting you. Not only that, if you do all that and apply for jobs you think you will love and be a good fit for, you're going to love your job. And honestly, nothing feels better than looking forward to getting up each day and doing what you do. Okay, maybe a beach vacation feels better, but you get my point. It's awesome to work somewhere and in a role that fits with who you are. Now, the third mistake most HR graduates make is that they don't spend any time working on their mindset or their self-care. Graduating from university or college can be scary, even though you looked forward to it every time your professor gave you an exam or you had to work on a team project. I know, because I see it on your faces. But now that you're there, you probably have days where you wish you were back in the classroom. You're now living in the great unknown, and there are probably a few people out there that have expectations, or at least you think they have expectations, that you're going to do amazing things with your education. And I promise you, you will. But in the meantime, there's a lot of pressure, and it's super stressful, especially if you've been updating your resume constantly and applying for jobs you aren't a fit for. But even without that, job seeking is not always easy because there's some uncertainty and there's unknown elements. That said, you can make it easier for yourself if you take a bit of time each day to work on your mindset and take care of yourself. A big challenge for most job seekers is managing their disappointment each time they don't get a job they applied for. It's such a normal experience and part of the process, but we're taught that this is a sign of failure or at least we project that on ourselves. But the truth is, job seeking is a numbers game. As I said before, it's rare that you simply apply for a job you see online and get a call on the first or second one. It's important to remind yourself that this is the truth and that it's normal to apply for multiple opportunities before you get noticed or called. To help you manage this emotional time, I have two other episodes of the HR Mentor I suggest you check out. The first one is episode two, which is all about shifting your limiting beliefs and how that can support your job search. And the other one is episode six, how to deal with rejection in your job search. One of the pieces of advice I share in that episode is to take care of yourself. I know you are possibly feeling bummed because you're still working in your customer service or food service job, but this is not the time to let your health go. When you're in stressful situations, it's important to amp up your self-care. So try and figure out what works best for you and do it. Go running, take a walk, laugh with a friend, sing, dance, read, sleep more. Whatever you need to do, do it double time. I'll post links in the show notes for this episode to those other episodes that will help you out with this. Okay, let's say now you have finally focused your job search. You're looking after your mindset and self-care and voila, you get called for an interview. Congratulations. Now what do you do? Hopefully your answer isn't just wing it. This is one of the saddest mistakes I see HR grads making. 
They put in all the upfront effort to get noticed, and then they blow it when it matters the most during the interview. A big part of preparing for the interview or any part of the selection process is knowing the organization you're hoping to work for. I've interviewed hundreds of people over the years, and I can tell you, a savvy recruiter or HR professional knows when you haven't done your research. And sometimes job candidates don't even try to hide it. I remember one time I called a candidate for a pre-screening phone interview, and they said to me, what does this organization do again? Ugh. They were asking me to do their research for them. Please don't be that person. Being prepared for your interview or presentation or pre-screening call is so critical. And there's a lot more to it than simply researching what the organization does. If you did the earlier work of knowing yourself and how you might be a good fit with an organization before you apply, your prep time here will be a lot less because it will be obvious to you as to how you can sell yourself during this important process. But don't just leave it at that and wing it. Really, I never, ever want you to wing it. Every time I landed a job, I over-prepared for the interview or interviews that I participated in. I researched the people interviewing me on LinkedIn. And because I leveraged my network over the course of my career, I often had a connection with them or knew them through someone else, and that made it easier. I also spent a lot of time honing my stories for common interview questions. I set up mock panel interviews with my family so that I didn't stumble. I mapped out my day of the interview, figured out where I would park, tested my outfit the night before, and so on. I even did this with my last role for a full-time professor job, even though I was already working for the university and I knew the people that would be interviewing me. I over-prepared. Remember, the application gets you the interview and it is usually the interview that gets you the job. So this is where your effort needs to be when the time comes. To help you get ready for this important process, I have another episode of The HR Mentor where I go into a lot more detail. There's also a helpful free downloadable guide that you can use. It's episode five, and you can check it out along with all the other episodes at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash podcast. Now, the fifth mistake I see a lot of HR grads making is that they don't do any follow-up. Follow-up after an interview or after they make a connection with someone. Many of you may reason with yourself that recruiters and hiring managers are busy, so you don't want to bother them, and they might not respond to your message. You know what they say about assumptions, right? As someone who's been on both sides of this equation, you definitely want to follow up after an interview or an informational interview. Showing appreciation for people's time, reiterating your interests in the role or the organization or the opportunity or just showing appreciation for the connection always leaves people with a warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't know any recruiter or hiring manager that would say, oh my God, it's so annoying that this person sent me a message to say thank you for my time. I'm never going to hire someone who's appreciative, right? Come on. Now, what you say in your email does matter, and the energy you bring should be positive, excited, and optimistic without being cocky, overly confident, or too gushy. 
But regardless, it's always a good idea to follow up. So just do it. Following up after an application was actually the tipping point for me in my job search for my first HR role. I'd reached a low point and I was feeling pretty lost at that point in time. I was living in a new city, my husband was working all day, and my whole life was focused on getting a job and trying to take care of my health. But one day I reached a breaking point. And I decided to just start calling places I had applied to to find out what the heck I was doing wrong. Again, this is before the days of LinkedIn and internet job searching, so I had to do some digging to find someone in the HR department. But eventually I did, and what she told me changed everything for me. I very briefly explained to her who I was and why I was calling. I told her I had recently applied for an HR advisor role and had applied for several others, but wasn't getting any responses. And I asked her if she'd be willing to give me some advice. She was kind enough to pull out my application, which again wasn't easy in those days because it was all paper-based, and she took a quick look. And in a few short seconds, she told me what was wrong. You see, I had been applying for all these HR jobs I wasn't qualified for. She explained to me why some direct HR experience was necessary, at least in the role she was hiring for, and she advised me to look for entry-level HR jobs, such as recruiter roles, because I had transferable experience. Even though I had been working in career counseling up to that point, it really hadn't occurred to me to apply the same principles that I was teaching to my own job search. I was young, and despite how much I thought I knew, I didn't really know how to translate that to my own experience. Our call was really brief, and although I was disappointed I was not going to be interviewed by the Vancouver Airport Authority, which is where this person worked, and even though she wasn't super warm and fuzzy on the phone, I was so incredibly grateful to that person, and I still am to this day because she took a few minutes to give me some honest, helpful advice, and I was willing to hear it and do something about it. And I did. And it helped. And since then, I have rarely struggled with finding great jobs that are an awesome fit for me. So to summarize this one, there are a few ways and points in your job search that I recommend following up. Definitely after you have a face-to-face interview with someone, After you have an informational interview as part of building your network, or if you meet someone somewhere and you might want to have them in your network, a follow-up can also be helpful there. And finally, when you get the sense that maybe you're not hitting the mark with your job applications, or you get a lot of interviews but not the job, don't be afraid to ask for honest feedback. No, not everyone will give it to you. But if you don't ask, guess what the answer is? Yep, it's a no. So do the follow-up, offer appreciation and excitement, make the connection, and be open to any and all feedback you receive. All right, the final mistake HR job seekers make is that they don't leverage the help of others. So I've already talked about getting feedback and guidance from potential employers, but there are also other places you can get feedback. Your university or college probably has a career office for students. Get some guidance from them on your resume, cover letter, and interview preparation. Chat with your friends who already have HR jobs and ask them what made them successful. 
and celebrate their success because that energy and feeling will help you stay more positive and hopeful in your job search. Along with getting feedback and guidance on your job search, I also recommend working constantly on building your network. I've said it before, and I will say it again, and probably a thousand times more, 99% of my success has come from building relationships in a network. When I have an HR problem I can't solve, I go to my network. When I worked as a compensation and benefits advisor and I needed a job description template or salary information, I went to my network. When I wanted to progress my career and land a new role, most of the time, some part of the process or the job itself came with help from my network. Building your professional network is one of the most important aspects of a successful and fulfilling HR career, and it can be the source of amazing job opportunities. If you haven't already listened to my interview with my former student, Dean Lempers, you will want to download that episode today. Dean's first HR role came directly from making a connection with someone at a career fair, and not in the way you would think. I personally credit my last three corporate jobs and my career as a professor to my network. Either someone I know referred me, hired me, or helped me to make a connection that led to those roles. And having a network is not enough. But nurturing that network and seeing your connections as a two-way relationship that you build over time is critical. To go a bit deeper on this subject, check out episode eight of The HR Mentor, which is all about making connections for career success. All right, let's wrap this up with a summary of my six common mistakes HR job seekers make. Number one, spending too much time on your resume at the beginning of the process. Number two, not focusing or targeting your job search. Number three, failing to work on your mindset and self-care. Number four, not preparing for that interview process. Number five, not doing any follow-up after a connection is made or you're interviewed. And finally, number six, not leveraging the help of others for feedback, guidance, and building your network. Now, I know I've shared a lot of other episodes and resources to help you overcome these, but some of you may want to get more specific help landing your first HR role. So today I'm excited that I have a huge announcement for you, and I'm going to be running a brand new workshop and coaching program just for that purpose. The HR Career Accelerator was created because so many HR grads have reached out to me for specific advice and guidance on landing their first HR role, and they're feeling frustrated and overwhelmed by the process. They don't have time or the knowledge to figure out the steps on their own, and they want some more direct guidance and support. If that sounds like you, this program might be perfect for you. It's a three-week live program that includes six live workshops with me, a one-hour small group coaching session, access to a private Facebook group for program participants only so they can share, support, and encourage each other, and a members-only site with worksheets, workshop recordings, and message scripts to take out some of the guesswork in your job search. I'm not sure if I will ever run this program live again, so if you're an HR graduate and you haven't yet found your first full-time permanent HR role, you will want to check this out. 
Find the link wherever you're listening to this summary or head on over to my website at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash online dash courses and you can sign up for more information. Once you sign up, you'll also get a free three-part video lesson that outlines my four must-have job search strategies that you will go into in depth during the HR Career Accelerator program. There is absolutely no obligation to sign up for the program at the end of the free video lessons, but you'll have a chance to register for the program once you've watched them. The HR Career Accelerator starts August 3rd, so you don't want to delay. Head on over to the website and check it out today. And if you haven't already subscribed to the HR Mentor Podcast, click that button wherever you're listening. And if you're feeling the love, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, a LinkedIn recommendation, or a comment on Podbean. As always, thank you so much for being here and for listening. Take care. Bye for now.